What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here on a rainy Friday afternoon drinking some Lafrag scotch. Is that how we pronounce it? Lafrag. Uh, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Badass. Badass is right. I, I come it's very ar- tasty. Yeah, what I call it, like Laprague before or something like that? Would, would you send me in the text message? Yeah. You were completely off. Yeah. I don't know, Le, Le Blatt or something. Yeah, I got, yeah. You know what? Le Becte. <laughs> if you guys read the Ben, you know I'm not the best speller. Um, before, we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, for the last month, it feels like. I've been like, ah, oh, slow week, slow week. Very, very big week this week. A lot to talk about. May run over an hour. The list is very long today. It feels like Bitcoin again. Right? It feels good. Before we get started, price of Bitcoin is $5,100 on the dot. Oh, excuse me. That's according to Bitstamp. We are tri- using the XBX index, which is at $5,100 on the dot as well. <laughs> <laughs> we are at block uh, 573365 And this edition of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by our friends at 21 Lectures. 21 Lectures' mission is to bring more developers to Bitcoin, uh, to the Bitcoin ecosystem with more in-person courses. Lectured by world-renowned Bitcoin and Lightning developers, 21 Lectures courses teach participants the fundamentals of working with the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, they cover cryptography, the structure of transactions and blocks, uh, how they are chained, smart contract language, languages, the Lightning protocol, uh, as well as software toolkits to develop on top of the Bitcoin blockchain and Lightning. Uh, to learn more, go to 21lectures.com, 21, the number, lectures.com. We will put that in the show notes. We're always looking for more developers, more eyes on the code. Uh, so if you're a developer looking to learn more about Bitcoin, 21lectures.com. Matt, like you said, it feels like Bitcoin again. Bitfinex back in the news. Uh, the New York State Attorney General's office officially sued them on behalf of New York traders. Uh, apparently, they're missing $851 million. Uh, and it's a whole uh, sort of... Uh, mishmash of shadiness uh shell companies the government big story bitcoin fell what 300 400 yesterday it like slightly dipped under 5000 yeah at least on at least if you were trading on bitmex you got like <laughs> liquidated if your like liquidation price was at like 4960 or something like in my that. opinion uh holding up pretty Pretty good. I, I considering the news. I didn't expect it to hold over five thousand dollars overnight, which it did, which is pretty. I think it's pretty bullish. Like even if we go down from here, the fact that we didn't just go straight elevator down is 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 pretty fucking bullish. No, I agree. It's very bullish, especially um, with it's just more proof that Bitcoin's a scam. You know, so <laughs> right. Well, let's jump into the specifics. So yeah, yes, this news dropped around like four thirty yesterday, um, courting. To the uh, New York Attorney General's office, uh, Bitfinex is connected with this company, Crypto Capital, which holds their and custodies their funds. Um, and Bitfinex went to get eight hundred fifty-one million dollars to, to sort of facilitate their their business. And Crypto Capital came back and told them that the government, uh, the U.S. government and Portuguese governments, had seized th- those funds. So I believe that's where we stand. But New York hasn't admitted that the funds have been seized, I don't think. Yes. Bitfinex says the funds have been seized. Crypto New Capital York, says they've been seized. New York says they haven't been seized. Another interesting thing about this, so again, Bitfinex has a long history history uh, in Bitcoin, a checkered history. Uh, they were hacked of 119,000 Bitcoin 
in the fall of 2016. And yesterday, uh, some of those Bitcoin moved for the first time since the hack, I believe. Yeah, which is weird. Very weird. Which some people say points to it being an in that that previous hack being an inside job, which already made a lot of sense that it was an inside job. A lot of these hacks are inside jobs. Um, the weird thing is, it wasn't that much Bitcoin. It was only three hundred Bitcoin only. But like in terms of in terms of that hack, it wasn't that much of yeah. the hack. And one hundred nineteen thousand Bitcoin, three hundred is not that much. Yeah. So who would I? You know, I'm, I'm trying to like work through the reasoning and like unless you're like a complete fucking dumbass insider at Bitfinex. Yeah. Why come out of the woodwork yesterday? Why even move it? Like where? Like, first of all, it doesn't look like they moved it to an exchange. It doesn't look like it went to an exchange address. It's a legacy and, address. It's one. And right? second of all, they're missing eight hundred and fifty million dollars. Like you what you you move like one and a half million dollars. That doesn't do shit. Yeah. Very perplexing. Um, so what does this all mean? Where are we, Matt? Well, first of all, like crypto capital, it seems like they started working them relatively recently. This was mid 2018 when the, when the funds got seized, um, you know, Bitfinex and Tether have been operating in legal gray area, if not just straight illegal for a while, at least based on us regulations. Um, you know, everyone says like Tether competes with all these other regulated with all the regulated stable coins but they really don't because the whole point of tether is that you don't have to do kyc aml um that that's not the case well it it kind of is the case with some of this uh the regulated stable coins but i don't think it will be the case going forward like they're just like kind of also in like a legal gray area and that'll just get cleared up and you'll have to do full kyc and we've seen some of the regulated stable coins get funds frozen and stuff and forced KYC on them. Um, so when you have that and you have like billions of dollars of fiat in your custody, like imagine the crazy shit you have to do to move that around the world, like and not get it seized by the US government. So they did a lot of questionable shit. And one of the that one of the elements of that was trusting this fucking company with almost a billion dollars crypto capital. <laughs> and and look what happened. Yeah. So let's play devil's advocate for Bitfinex here. They're obviously operating in this regulatory gray area with Tether, um, which was birthed in the aftermath of this hack, correct? And Bitfinex, because Bitfinex doesn't do KYC either. Yes. Uh, so they're, yes, they're operating that regulatory gray area. From Bitfinex perspective, from what I can tell, what they're sort of posturing is like, hey, we're trying to run, like we're trying to, facilitate our our exchange and our business make it so users can take money in and out of the exchange uh they seem to believe they can take out a loan based off their their balance sheet and and sort of facilitate the withdrawals on their uh exchange and it seems like withdrawals have not been affected at all by this so they took a they took a loan so according was from what we know right now it seems like they got the money seized. It was Bitfinex money, almost a billion dollars. So then they loaned. They took the, out a loan. From that money from Tether's coffers and exchanged it for shares of Bitfinex. Um, and, and that's where the charge is actually from the New York AG. Like the government, the government seized their funds uh, allegedly and then waited for them to try and cover it up and then charged them with fraud and money laundering for the for the actual cover up of moving those funds. <laughs> so who's at fault here? Which is classic that's classic gov gov move. It's, yeah, it's like a trap. 
Um, you Classic know, I'm not going to defend Bitfinex. Bitfinex is a fucking sketchy ass exchange. Like, I agree. you shouldn't keep any money on I it. I agree. I just want to play devil's advocate. Yeah. I just want to play devil's advocate, what they're posturing. So, this is how they're posturing. And also, the other to play devil's advocate for Bitfinex is they'd block all New York users. Like mm-hmm. intentionally, yeah. Then that if you go through the uh, the court proceedings, the official uh, lawsuit, I guess they they specifically like mention uh, the time period before Bitfinex uh, closed off New York users. Uh, yeah, and also, I mean, New York users could just use a VPN and connect to Bitfinex. And the only way Bitfinex could stop that is if they did KYC to every single one of their customers just to make sure that none of them are New York based, which is fucking ridiculous that you have to like compromise the privacy of all your users just because one state in one country, you know, cares about it. Yeah. So what does this mean? Is this uh, the sly roundabout way that the U.S. government is starting to crack down? I mean, I don't even know if it's sly roundabout. Like, I think this is exactly how they would do it. Especially since now they have all these regulated stable coins that are like registered in New York that it kind of, like all of them came out of the woodwork. They're like, oh, we're not Tether, you know, so it's like that's the perfect play. Uh, and I, I, I expect this kind of action to happen to like a Binance as well. Um, what's interesting here is if you compare this to BitMEX's business, which is probably the the only exchange that pisses off American regulators more uh, more than BitMEX is probably Bitfinex. BitMEX is probably number two. But BitMEX, even though they give you exposure to USD, they never handle fiat. So that whole issue that we were talking about where you have to move billions of dollars of regulated US dollars all around the world, they don't have to do that. They just opted out of that and they only allow Bitcoin deposits and withdrawals and that makes them way more resilient to this type of action. I know we've done this before, but let's just bask in the brilliance of of that uh, first principle uh, business plan that BitMEX has. It's so smart. Like even like a Binance, like Binance is is so much more fucked because they handle fiat and that and they also accept, uh, you know, tons of altcoins that come with their own security risks and whatnot. Yeah. So where do you think uh, this goes? So obviously, uh, are they going to go to court? They have to go to court, correct? Or settle outside of court? Uh, Don't they just do like a duel and like whoever? (laughs) (laughs) No, I... uh, Trial by combat. Well, another... It's interesting that the tether peg is still holding. Right. And Bitfinex has processed like $200 million worth of withdrawals since the news. And it seems like they're running smoothly. A lot of reputable people coming out on Twitter saying they had no problem. Uh, withdrawing as long as you withdraw with with crypto with bitcoin or like ethereum or something mm-hmm. uh don't don't withdraw with usd like that's who the fuck knows what'll happen there yeah so do you what do you how do you think this ends do you think bitfinex gets shut down do we end in fines uh slap I, on the wrist uh confiscation What's tether could never exist like regulated so there's no like i don't think there's like a gentle way out uh, for Tether and because Bitfinex is owned by the same people, like there's no gentle way out here. Uh, I thought they were fucked after 2016 and they somehow dug their way out of it with that whole little token scheme they had, which is questionable. Well, that's what Tether came out of, correct? No, Tether already existed at that point. Did it? Yeah, but they created that Bitf- Bitfinex, Bitfinex token, token pegged which, it to Tether. N- no, it was traded against Tether, but it was technically pegged to to uh, shares on the Bitcoin that were stolen. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was going to be paid back in full over time, but you could buy the shares early. You could buy it, get sold, sell out early. Yeah. So this was like the first big discount. use case for Tether, I would argue, right? I don't know. I think the big use case of Tether was like back in the day, like it was like from what we talked about, about transferring U.S. dollars around and getting bank accounts and stuff. It was so hard for exchanges to get access. Uh, Tether getting born, I think it was born in like 2014, 2015. Tether being born allowed all these little exchanges, even stuff like Binance, to really blossom because they didn't need a bank account. They they could just use Tether as their U.S. dollar source, um, and that was I I think that you know was was really the major use case was basically Bitfinex got to uh, share their fiat access with a whole ecosystem of little exchanges. Yeah, that's crazy how it's. Uh how it's evolved over the years and where it is now. We'll see where it's going. Uh, we've been warning you freaks about Tether for a while now. This is, here's another uh, sort of warning tremor from from the authorities. Uh, is Bitfinex uh, vindicated? No, he was, he was completely fucking wrong. Um, and I think that's what's important here. Uh, Why was he wrong? Because his claims the whole time was that Tether was unbacked. And there was not actually money in reserves and that that pumped up the price of Bitcoin and that the price of Bitcoin was artificially inflated and that we should sell at $800. So now we're sitting on like $5,100. It appears the New York AG is saying that Tether was fully reserved until they until November 20, uh, until mid 2018. Right. Not even not November 2018. Was it like May 2018 or something? When it I happened? believe July was when the, right. the problem started. So they were happening. fully reserved like up until that point. November was when the AG like asked for more information or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then here we go. And like right and right now, like it looks like all this could come crashing down and Bitcoin price is, you know, you'd still be up over five X from where Bitfinex told us to sell. Uh, and, and, and we all knew that at any point Bitfinex and Tether could get hit with money laundering. They didn't even need this. They could just be like people transfer Tether to each other and don't do KYC and they're terrorists and that's money laundering, you know, yeah. like it's super easy to hit them with a money laundering charge. So like my prediction here is, um, the U S government will continue to try and fuck Bitfinex and Tether and Bitfinex and Tether will continue to try to not get fucked. And, and like, eventually they'll get fucked. <laughs> that's the prediction it's uh it's a catch me if you can scenario right yeah now. so who knows how long they could they could handle it right but another, eventually another interesting thing that i don't know if uh i think it was confirmed in the course i think there was rumors of this going around but i think the filings sort of confirmed it was that uh bitfinex has been using the bank accounts of friends of employees to <laughs> send to send users uh money which is yeah, like people were reporting that like they were getting transactions from just random people. This is exactly the kind of creative bullshit you have to do. When you have to interact with fiat and you're like an illegal business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just crazy. So like, just know that like this exchange is doing some pretty asinine things. Like they're using well, no, that individuals that like, that makes sense to me. Like what other option do they have? Like that's exactly, you know, that's exactly the creativity that Tether gave them. Those are some ride or die friends. Like, yeah, you can just. No, they were getting a VIG. Everyone was getting a cut. I'm like, I mean, we don't know that, but I would be surprised if they weren't. It's a massive risk um, for the VIG. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess. 
We'll find it, out. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lend Bitfinex my bank account, but uh, yeah. So yeah, it definitely is a massive risk. I think they get paid. I think they probably got paid. Uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you just. This is why Bitcoin exists. It's like every time this kind of thing happens, it just proves why Bitcoin exists. Uh, is that it's not easy to move U.S. dollars around unless you have permission. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. These 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 attacks are glaring endorsements. Is this an attack on Bitcoin? The it's funny that it's a glaring it's a glaring endorsement to people in the know, but to people like, have you read any headlines today? I haven't read any of the headlines, but it's definitely like, like Bitcoin CEO money laundered eight hundred and fifty million dollars or whatever. Yeah, it's coming right off the heels of Quadriga. Is not great press either for for Bitcoin overall. Um, <clears throat> froggy voice here. Uh, yeah, that that hurt. It was. I work with some Canadians who were affected by Quadriga, and they saw this and. And we're like, oh, look, another quadriga. And I was like, ah, God damn it. On the, on the bright side, at least no one's talking about that fraud Craig Wright anymore. <clears throat> well, you just brought him up. We were going to try and not bring him up. Yeah, but at least I called him a fraud. Yeah, that's true. Well, meanwhile, we're having a conversation on your favorite subject, which is Tether, which you don't <laughs> like talking about. The second I saw the news broke, that was the first thing I thought about. I was like, oh, Marty's going to love talking about this on, uh, on RHR. Well, I'm like, I'm okay talking with it now because I think, again, I, up to this point, the price has been stable, and Tether's been a much cause for FUD in the past. I don't think it's as uh, as potent of FUD as it was in the past. And in previous, it was like unsubstantiated FUD, and like at least this is like actual FUD. Yeah, there's like there's like chat logs and yeah. and evidence of what's and, going and on. And there's there's like a lot of fear here, especially for like altcoins and any 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 person who owned uh, who has money on exchanges is at increased risk here and they might not even realize it like Binance holds a shit ton of tether bunch of these exchanges hold huge amounts of tether so like really you should i mean you should never keep much money on exchanges but right now more than ever uh you know like if you're using exchange that that holds a lot of tether like you should probably withdraw that to keys you control Good advice. Good advice. And before you do that, uh, check out the HODL guide, which we have shared uh, on this show before. Bang, bang. I actually shared that today. Somebody emailed me looking for uh, for a way to, to create a wallet. And I said, hey, here's the HODL guide. I, I keep it. That is like along with like three other links I keep in my bookmark toolbar when I get DMs. So I can just send them out. <laughs> um, next topic, Eris X and TD Ameritrade are testing out Bitcoin trading uh, for their 11 million customers, for TD Ameritrade's 11 million customers. So Eris X is a, an exchange that lets you trade uh, spot contracts for Bitcoin uh, based out of Chicago. Uh, they're looking to level up, and they're, it looks like they're partnering with more legitimate uh, sort of in, investment platforms. TD Ameritrade's testing it out with them. We were talking before, uh, it allows you to trade Bitcoin spot prices, but we, we're not sure if there's any underlying physical bitcoin being delivered or anything well, like you're that. definitely not getting physical bitcoin delivered like they're not going to give you like you can't give them a withdrawal address no no <laughs> they definitely, definitely not can't. they i mean hopefully but is it like a robin hood or is it i'm pretty sure erisx actually holds bitcoin okay that's part of the platform mm-hmm. they hold the bitcoin that's being traded okay i'm pretty sure like nine let's say 95 percent um either way this is a huge fucking deal uh, you know, this is this is first of all exactly what happens when regulators fucking drag their feet on giving retail like a proper ETF, because all these different 
uh, brokerage services need to basically offer their they're offering their own alternative to the ETF. You have Robinhood offering it. You know, Fidelity is working on something similar. TD Ameritrade is going to offer it to their 11 million customers. Um, so, so it gives similar exposure to an ETF to mass retail. Anyone, any of these 11 million people that have a TD Ameritrade account, your uncle who's like 55 years old, who like kind of wants to get Bitcoin exposure, but doesn't want to deal with any of, of controlling your own keys or any of the technology, the guy could barely send an email. Like he can buy it on TD Ameritrade. And I think if, if anything, the fact that they're dragging their feet on the ETF is kind of nice because we have all these little options where you can get exposure and instead of like one massive ETF that holds like 40% of the Bitcoin <laughs> or whatever it would be if they got in early. Like that's where the, you know. You're watching the, the, uh, the market get creative as the regulators drag their feet. That's yeah, a great point to make. Like you, you let all these options flourish and... Maybe people would just, uh, not naively, but uh, lazily just invest in the ETF uh, without even thinking. So now that- Yeah, I mean, if you didn't have any other, if the people who were tech illiterate and didn't want to try and learn personal sovereignty and whatnot and learn how to use Bitcoin properly, but just want exposure to it, understand that as an investment, it makes a lot of sense- um, but are like kind of statist and are like fine with like trusting the state in a lot of ways. Like if, if their main way of exposure was this, uh, just one ETF or two ETFs, uh, then that's where everyone would go. But because they, cause this takes a lot more time to get something like this out because you have to do it on like an individual brokerage service basis. But but now we have the time, so we are getting all these little things. So maybe it'll get more distributed out. Maybe it'll be more spread out, and I think that's better. Like I don't think custodial. Like I would never recommend a custodial service, uh, especially to anyone in our age group. Uh, I would never use one. But like it's it's definitely like a reasonable option, and it's 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 good that we have options out there. And and no one's saying that either. You you do a hundred percent. You know, you do 100% in a custodial service. Some people might, you know, feel com more comfortable like having like 20% in a custodial service, 80% they control their own keys. Maybe, you know, they split that up between like a hardware wallet and cold storage. So like they have multiple, you use multiple methods and that way uh, any particular threat can't can fuck you. Yeah. So this Eris news is just uh, another in the long line of uh, positive news from the institutional side. Slowly but surely, the on-ramps uh, to investing in this asset uh, are being built out, being widened, being becoming more robust. It's uh, beautiful to see. And, and exactly, I agree. And for what it's worth, uh, I think this is like mostly a rumor, but it's it seems like it's like a confirmed rumor. But you know how it is in the Bitcoin. You know how it is in the space. No, Eris confirmed it. Eris said uh, in the release from the block, uh, testing is best practice practice necessary for us and our customers as we build the most robust transparent marketplace for digital assets that's the phase they're in now right but i'm um, saying they're testing that means they could launch they could launch in three months or they could launch in fucking five years you know like you never fucking know well they say it's in a production environment with a limited number of participants exactly where's backed you know that's true when etf marty that's true so just everyone you know don't that's what we said in the beginning of the the year don't hold your breath on this yeah stuff. don't don't hold your breath on this bullshit but it's still good news, still good news. <laughs> <laughs> um not as good news any of you uh 
ledger users out there there's currently a windows phishing bug going out so uh, ledger detected a malware that locally replaces the ledger live desktop application with a malicious one users of infected computers are asked uh not to enter their 24 <laughs> word recovery phrase uh after a fake update please refer to our security best practices we'll we'll link to that tweet they Ooh. fucked up that tweet um they told people to enter their 24 word phrase do really not, on yeah, the tweet did they delete not, it they did not. Users of they infected computers up? are asked to enter their 24-word. Do not enter your 24-word. Uh, they kind of. Anyway, the this isn't really that big of a deal. If if you one simple rule to follow that would make sure that this wouldn't happen to you is just always enter your seed on the device. Never enter your seed. And same with the password. When we're talking about the passphrase, always enter it on your device. Don't enter it on the computer. If you're prompted to enter it on the computer. It's it's phishing scam. Yeah, just be very uh, be very skeptical if you're ever asked to enter your seed phrase anywhere. Triple, yeah, triple, quadruple check. Yeah. And Go. with specifically with Ledger and Trezor, you can add it right on the device intentionally, so it never touches your computer. Do that. Yes. Um, and if anybody ever asks you for your seed phrase, just be inherently skeptical. Yeah, don't DM people your seed phrases. <laughs> you can DM them to me if you want to. Uh, Next, Wasabi updates. Hardware wallet support is moving along. Uh, have we, you used it yet? Uh, with the hardware? Yeah. I have not. Admittedly, no. I so I, I tested it. So we got the new update for Wasabi. Uh, we Let have, me go through the stats first. Go. The latest update is a 20x increase in bandwidth, 12x increase in load time reduction, or decrease in load time reduction, excuse me. Uh, you got lurking wife mode. It's been a PR to change that. Uh, and support for P2P communication has been added. Okay. So I tested out the new... Was how, this is a big update. It's, it's a good update. Uh, for the load time, it, cash, it, it, it keeps an index of, of your addresses locally. Uh, so the first time you load the wallet, it'll be slower to load, but then after that, it's way quicker, which is awesome. Um, I tested out the hardware wallet integration. Right now, it supports the new Trezor, so the Trezor mo Model T, mm -hmm. uh, the Nano S, the Ledger Nano S, and the Cold Cart. Um, they're working on testing out and getting support for the other ones. Uh, I was correct. It is a separate wallet, so you have you have your hot wallet for mixing, and then you have a separate wallet uh, through Wasabi that's for hardware wallets um and they just have mixing disabled so is that separate wallet like a quasi treasure bridge what is it i'm still trying to like uh yeah, conceptualize mean, that i mean so your keys are held on your treasure right so your your public key is shown to is, is shown to wasabi and then wasabi pulls the transaction info um and the way wasabi does that is their server is sending block filters out um, that tell you what transactions are in each block. And then you pull the blocks that um, are necessary for your transactions, either from your own node, if you have your own node connected. Um, if it's running on your own computer, it automatically does that. Uh, or from peers. And when it does it from peers, now this, with this update, that's all through Tor as well. And when it takes a block from a peer, it... it, it disconnects from them afterwards so you can only take a max of one block per peer 
Uh, so that's way more, and that that's in light mode, and that's way more secure for light mode if you're not running your own full node, and if you're using your own full node, it's even more private. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because it seemed like you, there's a, if Wasabi was just feeding you the blocks, there's a trust layer there. Um, so if no, you're so able, not, if you're able to get them fed by peers, it seems... Right, so Wasabi, there is a little bit of trust, but Wasabi's not feeding you the blocks. Where Wasabi could break your trust is if Wasabi doesn't tell you that a transaction that affects you was in a block to look at it for the first place, right? When they send those filters, uh, they're the only ones sending filters right now. Presumably, it can be made that others can send filters. It's similar to Neutrino, how Neutrino works. So you need more people to send filters to reduce that trust. But even still, Wasabi isn't actually sending you blocks. They're just telling you which blocks you might want to look at. Okay. Um, Anyway, so the hardware wallet integration is pretty slick. One negative is that it defaults to BEC32 addresses, just like, you know, native SegWit addresses, just like regular Wasabi. And no one who's been using hardware wallets has been using those addresses. So none of your old balances will show. Only balances that are in uh, BC1 addresses. Interesting. Uh, so that's a little bit... Wonky. You know, yeah, a little bit wonky for people to grok. You know, you have to send them to the new addresses uh, for them to show. And uh, no, but yeah, it's 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 fantastic. And uh, Wasabi usage keeps going up. We had a, the biggest coin join round, um, I think, that there's ever been, which was 100, 100 people. Um, Wasabi now is set. So a round happens either if we hit 100 participants or the round hasn't happened in two two weeks, uh, two uh, two hours. Okay. In an effort to be uh, intellectually honest here, a uh, good friend of the pod, fellow beefy Bitcoin boy James O'Byrne, posited yesterday on Twitter uh, uh, about the the testing and auditing of Wasabi's code. Like, where are we on that? Like, obviously in production it's working now, but what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, most projects in the space need more auditing, mm -hmm. and uh, I sure as hell am not qualified to do it. You're not qualified enough to do it. Um, it is an open source project, so anyone can go and audit it if they if they wish. Um, I I think it's just if I I I think that if if you are in this space and you can't you know, read the code, you can't verify stuff for yourself, then the best practice is, is to always be using multiple methods, you know, like you shouldn't, you know, don't like rush out and like, put all your funds on a treasure through Wasabi, like, that's just reckless, you know, yeah. so you have to, yeah, you just have to, you have to plan accordingly, split up your risk amongst, uh, yeah, and another thing, but, but, you know, I've been using it for eight months now, and I haven't had I haven't had a single Satoshi stolen for me. That's that's something confidence creating, and and we also preach that you should treat this as a hot wallet. Don't store all your all your shit wasabi. Right, but that's why it becomes interesting now that you can access your hardware through it, right? Mm -hmm. Because people might feel as they should. They should feel more comfortable holding more coins there. Um, so like, at least it's like the, the hardware wallet feature, like, you know, like let it test it out. I, I tested it out with send. I, 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 I connected my treasure to it. Um, uh, I tested that it works with a pin and an extra passphrase. 
uh, I received to my treasure and then I sent back out no problems. Um, and the other thing that's, oh, the other thing that was kind of cool is once you set up your treasure, you don't have to plug your treasure in to receive. You can just open up Wasabi and, and press, and press, open up Wasabi and then open up the hardware wallet portion of Wasabi and you can generate a receive address and you can send to that receive address without connecting your treasure. You only have to connect your treasure when it comes time to spend. And I tested that out too, and that, that worked. So it just pulls your XPUB key list. It already has it, yeah. yeah. When you first set it up, it takes your XPUB, and then I, 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 hopefully it's encrypting it with your password. I'm telling you, man, Wasabi's got some of the best UX at the wallet level out there. Yeah, the UX is great, and just keeps proving. They're just, they're just uh, keep adding editor of improvements. Yeah, so if uh, any of you freaks out there are listening and are able to audit their code, please, uh, please give it a look if you have some time. Yeah, or, you know, 21 lectures, right? Yeah, 21 lectures. If you can't audit it yet, but hope to at some point in the future, go to 21lectures.com. And what's Justin Moon's thing, too? Biddle Bootcamp. Yeah, learn to code. Uh, and then what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, BiddleBootcamp.com. Yeah, B-U-I-D-L. Yes. Um, Biddle always sounds weird. Yeah, it sounds weird. I've, it makes more sense written. Um I, uh, about Wasabi. Oh, right. They gave us belts. We got belts. We got white belts. So congratulations, Marty. I'm excited to tell my mother about this. Um, I feel like I can't take any credit. I feel like you, you, you put me on your back and carried me across the white, the white belt line. (laughs) You can take plenty of credit, Marty. We did this together. Um, anyway, I guess the belt system is a way to reward people who are educating and doing things in the Wasabi space. Yeah. So it was an it's an honor to receive it. I think it was unnecessary. Our privacy is enough reward for us, but yeah, I'm gonna wear it with pride. Absolutely, I'm happy to spread the good word. I don't think we actually get a belt, but yeah, no, it's it's virtual. And then the other thing is, is, it, I a, heard, is it a is it a non fungible token belt? <laughs> they would never do that. We would fork wasabi. I um, the the funny thing about it is when in the discussion on Twitter, No Power was like, uh, he's like, well, I, like. I have certain standards for for uh, giving people belts. Like I wouldn't give Joe Rogan a belt if he tweeted about Wasabi, and then that led me down a path where I thought he meant that Joe Rogan tweeted about Wasabi, and I couldn't. I was freaking out because that would be fucking dope. So supposedly, if you're a blue belt, you can promote your own belts. So like they have to be careful. Like they should never promote me to a blue belt. Because like I would absolutely give Joe Rogan a belt if he tweeted, <laughs> he tweeted about Wasabi. Like absolutely, fucking worth it. You wouldn't even make him tweet about it. You give him the belt, be like, Joe, you got the belt. Now you have to tweet about it. Yeah, okay. you got to tweet about your belt, Joe. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Uh, shout out to Max Hildebrand for um, for giving us the. Uh, yeah, he promoted us. Yeah, he, he was the, the promotion. promotion. On World Crypto Net is his show. Yeah, he's. Uh, He's talking about somebody who's doing an incredible job educating the space. Keep fighting the good fight, Max. Um, next up, Lightning Labs releases Beta Neutrino Lightning app for desktop. Have you tried this out? Have not. So after like my embarrassment about Eclair, like I'm, I, I pledge to you freaks that I'm trying out all this shit before we talk about it uh, on the pod. So I downloaded this app. Uh, it's Lightning's Lightning Labs' new. I guess flagship lightning app. Uh, it's on desktop. This shit. It looks hot. I see the vision. I see it's a beta. It's their first mainnet release. 
it runs it uses neutrino so it doesn't have a full node uh so neutrino is similar it's the new proposal uh for better spv wallets better light wallets it's similar to how i just explained for wasabi they send you filters instead of you sending the trans sending the addresses you need they send you filters and then you know which blocks to pull uh so it's more privacy preserving um i'm pretty sure neutrino just got merged into the new version of core so that core nodes can send out neutrino uh these filters that that you need for this because right now i'm pretty sure lightning is just the one sending out the filters which is obviously not ideal uh the good thing about that that core merge is i'm pretty sure it's not on by default so if you're running a node you can enable it i'm going to enable it because you know people are going to use it anyway might as well have more people serving up the information and um but anyway because you use a neutrino super fucking fast sync you just you you uh you you install the program and basically, their idea is that you're synced by the time you you write down the 24 words and then confirm it in the app. But like, I just didn't practice OPSEC and I just copied and pasted it. So it still took a little bit while to, to sync. Um, but this is just a test wallet, so whatever. Like, but don't do that. Um, super quick to sync. It was like within within three minutes, I had it up and going. I had a transaction from Wasabi to fund the lightning wallet um and then so they have autopilot on by default which automatically is supposed to connect you i don't like autopilot yeah well supposedly they refined it and they have it on by default and i wanted to like see what their vision was and what would happen if one of the freaks downloaded it without going into the settings and turned it off right so i left autopilot on and they just like immediately put all my like i sent point one because it was like from wasabi they immediately put all $500 in one big channel with an Ellen big node, which just <laughs> really grinded my gears. <laughs> so uh, now I have some, I wonder if maybe are they picking Ellen big or are they just looking for a channel? So then I closed that capacity. channel. I closed that channel <laughs> and it opened with a different non Ellen big node. I think it's opens with high capacity nodes and they try and put all of it in there so you can send a larger payment. But that's questionable to me. There's, there's a trade-off there that I'm not sure if I'm happy with. And I wonder if Ellen Big is intentionally... Because Ellen Big is spinning up so many notes. And I wonder if one of the intentions is to basically game this autopilot system. The autopilot system is supposed to rely on capacity and reliability. Like they're doing like reliability scores to see which nodes stay online and have a lot of connections and act as good routing nodes. Um, basically, their vision is... You connect to the, the big routing nodes with autopilot and then you use lightning loop to take that to get some inbound capacity from that channel. Right? That's that's the vision. Um I'm not yeah, like I said, uh, autopilot How many LM big channels are there? The highest I see right now is forty one. There's a lot. But look if you look at the top hundred, they're like half of the top hundred. <laughs> it's not great. Um Sorry, I'm looking at uh, 1ml.com. This website's awesome. Yeah, I really like that website. Okay, so the other thing that's interesting is they don't give you a pub key anywhere accessible. I couldn't figure it out. So I can't open a channel to you if you have this app installed, which is weird. You can't get inbound channels. Also, usually you can take the pub key from... So, so then after I tested out the autopilot, the next thing I did 
was I closed the channel again, and then I opened a channel with stacking sats, R note, because I wanted to see what was going on here. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they they default to private channels. So I couldn't even get the pub key from myself opening a channel with our other node. So, so you have to go into like the command line to find it or something? I think their dream is to have no inbound because you get inbound through lightning loop. So their dream is you have one, you're like a leaf node, you're like literally contribute shit all to the fucking network and you just boot this up with Neutrino, you connect to one or two big routing nodes through autopilot and ma massive channels, you know, as, as much as much capacity as you've put into your lightning wallet. Uh, and then, and then, so because you have a private channel, no one else can see it and no one else can route through it except for you. And yeah, I think just you. And, uh, and then you do lightning loop through it. So it's like relatively private. You run the whole thing through Tor, but there are a lot of sovereignty trade-offs there that are happening. What do you mean? Like you, you don't sovereignty and the ability that you don't, you don't have the ability to get. Uh, you're like trusting one node, and you're not helping the rest of the network route payments, mm -hmm. uh, which isn't great. You know, and you're not even a f fully validating node to begin with. So is this for is this for our 55 year old uncles who can't send emails? Yeah, I mean, the vision here is that this competes with custodial wallets and is better in some ways. A little ways. less custodial. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I would say it's not custodial, but it is... Yeah, I, 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 I don't think the receiving party can close a private channel. Like I said, I'm, I'm like 99% sure. This is my first time really fucking around with private channels, so feel free to correct me, freaks, on Twitter. Um, but when I open this channel from this lightning app to the, to the noddle, it didn't, I'm, I mean, we have a ton of fucking channels, so I had to like go through it, but like I'm 99% sure that I didn't see it on my side on, on zap. So I, I can't close it as the receiving party. So maybe that's a little bit safer. Like at least they can't like maliciously, uh, close out on you. Yeah. Or like broadcast an old state or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think this is supposed to be like the same target market as a custodial wallet. Get up and running real quick, but not, not custodial. The other thing is the interface is I see where they're going with it. And I like it. Everything, first of all, is displayed in dollars. Um, it's one unified balance among your on-chain wallet and your, and your lightning, lightning funds. Because you just loop in if you need it. No, you don't loop in. You open, you're actually opening channels. Mm -hmm. You actually are open. You loop in would imply that you were you were just funding an existing channel, which is what a lot of the custodial services might use. Um, but with this, you would just, uh, yeah, you just, they they're opening channels, but they keep it as the as one unified balance. It's deployed in USD, and then right underneath it, it says the percent in Lightning, the amount that's in uh. the Lightning channels. And that'll always, if you have autopilot on, that will probably always be like around 99%. It seems like they just pop it up. Uh, and, and what's interesting is when you open channels and you send payments, they've removed, there's no sats or anything. It's all dollars. Everything is in dollars. If you open the channels pages where it shows your pending channels, your open channels, everything is in dollars. How do you feel about that? I think in sats now, baby. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not their target market. You know, I, I think... 
I think it's interesting. I like I, I I like the vision. It's something different. It's more mainstream user, um, and we'll see how it plays out. I'm not. I'm definitely not going to hate now. Uh, but but yeah, it, it was intriguing. I I I didn't love the lack of public key. Like at least put that in like advanced options or something. Let me. Yeah. No. Nah, so we'll. I'll I'll play around with that this week, and talk about it next week. Uh, but staying on the topic, of well, you could literally, if you install it right now, by the time we finish, by the time we finish recording this episode, it will probably bought something. It will automatically, it'll already have like your channels open and ready to go. Like if you have it on autopilot, like it takes, I would say, I mean, what, like it takes two confirms before a channel opens or maybe three. So like the whole process from install to having open channels and being ready to spend on lightning is like 40 to 60 minutes. It's not too shabby. No, not too shabby. At and all. most of it, the user's just waiting for the actual confirmations anyway. Yeah. So slowly, but surely shit's getting better. And like, again, like we always talk about like the, the differing solutions is what blows my mind. Like you said, there's different trust trade-offs with this model. You don't have your public key. It's a different set of use cases, a different UX flow. Uh, like the more the merrier. Uh, this is just one app of many. Like we talked about Eclair, uh, Eclair's async a couple of weeks ago. Uh, extensions like Jewel, Casa's extension, just other ways in which to interact with this app. Uh, it just keeps growing. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So this app, I think you could compare it very easily to something like async because that uh, to Eclair, async's the company, right? To to the Eclair wallet because that's also. Um, a full lightning node, but a light Bitcoin node, not a full Bitcoin node. Yeah. Um, but with, with Eclair, you have, there's a lot more power user options, uh, that, that, uh, the, this lightning app just doesn't even give you, it just keeps it as simple as possible. Yeah. Just tries to let you know, give you as little decisions as possible. That's yeah. What it it just like. get you up and running with a couple clicks. Yeah. Um, Talking about getting up and running quickly, uh, staying on James O'Byrne, who we brought up, uh, and that's how in the Wasabi section, he recently took to the Bitcoin Dev mailing list to present uh, Assume UTXO, which is a proposal uh, to basically insert um, not a checkpoint. It's not a checkpoint, but it's like a hashed. Uh, not a checkpoint, Marty. It's not a checkpoint. I got that wrong yesterday in the bank. We've officially said the checkpoint word like four times now. We yeah. got no no more using that word. No, it's not a checkpoint. But assume UTXO would allow you to basically a user who wants to uh, set up a Bitcoin full node quickly and transact in a timely manner. Uh, initial block download from scratch takes four hours to a couple days, depending on what your hardware solution is or and your internet. Um, Assume U2XO would allow you to take sort of snapshots of certain black heights, block heights that would be hashed um, at certain levels, and it would allow you to uh, download quickly and transact, receive and send transactions. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the full state of the blockchain would sync in the background, and once it's to the full tip, you're basically using a full node. Yeah, that's why it's not a checkpoint, because yes. you actually do... It's Validate just to get everything. you up and running quickly... But then you do go back and validate the whole thing, and then you'll see if you've been lied to or not. Yeah, so if you've been lied to, it'll go back and say, hey. Uh, and, like, once one person's been lied to, like, everyone's going to flip a shit as well, right? Like, it's not like the... Because, because first of all, it's not like 
any old Joe is is giving these assume UTXOs. Basically, like a group of developers come together, make a hash of of the UTXO set at a certain point that's relatively back. Far and, back, yeah. It's tens yeah. of thousands of blocks back. Yeah. I don't know if they're going that far back on this proposal. No? Yeah, but still pretty far back. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and they all they all agreed to it. They you know they they merged the code and like everyone's looking at it too at the same time before it even before people even it gets shipped out. So, um, yeah, so it's relatively trust minimized, uh, and it gets in, uh, IBD down a lot, tremendously, especially if you're running a Tor node. Because if you're running a Tor node, IBD takes fucking forever. <laughs> you know from experience. It just yeah, it just really really takes a long time. No, Tour is slow. Apologies to to fellow beefy Bitcoin boy James for for misrepresenting. Assume UTXO on the Ben yesterday is not a checkpoint. I mean, some people call it a checkpoint, but it's important I think to make a distinction. No, I think, and this is also why it's different from like Geth fast sync and stuff because it actually is validating the whole chain. It's not just relying on headers. Or yeah, so James, like that. I wasn't at. BitDevs this week. I was busy, couldn't make it. So he presented this at BitDevs. What what was he compared it? He did a good framing of comparing it to Geth first. Right, he said, yeah. Um, "Yeah, I forgot to tell you that before you wrote the Ben today, <laughs> or two days ago, whenever you wrote it." Um, so yeah, what was the framing there? Yeah, that it's that it's not the same as Geth FastSync because, which is Ethereum's FastSync, and that's because you actually are validating everything. Yeah. For and and after. After the assume UTXO, you're validating everything after that as well, uh, before you validate everything else. You know, so you start the assume UTXO, you validate everything past that, and then once you do that, you go back and validate the whole thing. That never happens with Ethereum fasting. Yeah, it just seems like it could be implement, implemented into Bitcoin in a very similar way that Neutrino was, like we just described. You can make it modular and say, "Hey, I want to assume UTXO yeah. on this on this IBD." I mean, yeah, one toggle thing, it on, then yeah. One thing I liked about the bent that you said was like that's how it, that's how I agree it should be implemented, which is, uh, and I don't think they've even gotten that far yet in the proposal. But like basically, like it should be a button, and then like when you click it, it should be like warning, like you're not validating all the previous, you know, before block height, whatever, until after the sink or whatever yes like give you a nice big fat warning and make it optional don't make it so that always and i would even you know i wouldn't be against just like a completely like a fork of the client being packaged that's like bitcoin noob version (laughs) you know and it like it gives you it like keeps neutrino enabled keeps you know assume utxo enabled and like has some of those more newbie defaults, and then you give them like a big fat warning in the beginning. You know, like that's cool. As long as the warning is there, and as long as people understand the trade-offs and the risk involved, everything's okay. And, and again, with this, the fact that uh, the full state of the blockchain is downloading in the background is very comforting as well. Right. And I think, I mean, the best argument for this is that, you know, it'll make it so that, that people that want to get up and running right away tend to pick worse wallets because they don't want to wait for a full node sync. So if if they're going to pick worse wallets anyway by doing this, then they'll then they'll actually run a full node and they'll rely on their shitty promise in the beginning, which is better than the promise they would be relying on whatever other wallet they were using, and then ultimately they will become a full node user and contribute back and self-validate themselves and 
be a, a you know a full Bitcoin citizen. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, tour notes. It'd be I think it incentivizes tour notes tremendously because I just is so bad on tour notes. Yeah. So if you wanted to run a tour node, not even necessarily want to transact quickly, just want to be able to use your node in a timely manner, not in like thirty minutes, but like in a day or two. This is probably yeah. I mean, I think it takes. I haven't synced a tour node in a while. A couple I weeks, think it right? takes. Yeah, I think. I mean, it definitely takes more than a couple of days. I think. Yeah. Um, and like, and that's a good reminder. Like, now that you know, Bitcoin really relies on Tor, and uh, everyone should be running. If you're running a Bitcoin node, you should also be running a Tor relay node. Uh, a lot of people think that Tor running a Tor node puts you at legal risk, especially in America. That's not the case because a Tor relay node, you just stay within the Tor network, which is if you're running like a Tor Bitcoin node, that's what's happening as well. It's never leaving Tor and going into the clear net, the regular web. That's where you have issues because there's a second type of node called a Tor exit node. And if you're running that, then people might be looking at like child porn or something, doing illegal stuff through your internet connection, going out to the clear net, and that could be really bad. But if you run a Tor relay node, you're just you're just helping out the network, you're helping out Bitcoin network, and you're helping out Tor, and that's just a big deal, I think. So, and that'll help too with the IBD. If more people run Tor nodes, uh, Tor relay nodes, more people run Tor Bitcoin nodes, more people run Tor Lightning nodes. Um, that's just win, win, win. I feel like I can feel the Samurai Wallet guys getting all hard right now. Listen to you pump this tour stuff you gotta, you gotta make the belt worth it <laughs> no it's it's crazy we can and this is something we talk about like we have a conscious decision right now as humans transitioning into the information age we can go down one or two paths we get the dystopian uh centralized centrally planned uh economy of the world where you've got facial recognition and you're only allowed to see information that's presented to you by a few gatekeepers or you work hard for a world in which privacy and freedom are enabled, but you have to work for it. That's the thing. You have to download the software. You have to run it, and you have to participate. It's not just going to come to you. You have to be a citizen. Yes. I'm happy. We got the node running in the background, and I'm pretty sure the node launcher has Tor enabled by default now. There you go. So we're supporting it in the background. I think it does. I haven't tried it since. Yeah. Um, next, Satoshi Treasure update. Not going to lie. Been... Uh, been away from the Dread Pirate, Pirate Dude, Roberts. Our uh, team, first of all, is fucking badass. We have a fucking badass team. We have all four keys. They're going above and I think everyone does at this point, but they're going above and beyond. They're like blowing me away. With, they have like management, team management software and application process and everything. And me and Marty have just not been able to follow along at all. They've just like completely... Blunt, it's out of my I feel bad even like saying I'm on the team at this point you know I feel like our place is is more you know we we help with team enthusiasm we help with outreach and exposure uh and and I I think you know whether or not they decide to like cut us out of the ultimate winnings like at least our team has agreed to donate 10% to free Ross so we know like we did that right we did that we named it yeah. I found the first shard hey that's all. That's exactly. all. That's all I need to do. It'd be nice to get like a little cut. You know, I'm gonna try to work harder. I'm gonna. I'm gonna work been... harder too. Just I'm not gonna be solving any uh, like crazy. I'm not gonna be brute forcing anything. But it's not even that. I like. I check Discord and there's like 400 housekeeping messages because they're doing so much. I'm so impressed. There's not even. It's not even necessarily like in the clue downtime in between when there's gonna be clues. They're just 
making everything better. We have like a website portal and John John Cantrell. John uh, Cantrell Ordo that, that Yeah, he like set up and he open sourced it and released it out to the other teams too. Like, what the fuck, dude? Beautiful. Shout out John Cantrell. Yeah. Uh a wizard. We found a wizard. Yeah. He's on our he's on our team. He's a he's a leader. We're on, we're on, team. on his team. Yeah, we're on John, we're on your team. This is no longer our team. Anyway, we're still looking for recruits. Um we already have like a pretty geographically dispersed team, but we're always looking um for more talented people, more people around the world, because you need to be based in different locations. Um, we have clue number five coming out on Sunday. So we're going to throw the the link for the application that they made up in, uh, in the show notes. I think it's, what is it? Tiny URL slash dot com slash GPR Avengers. I believe. Yep. That's exactly it. Tiny, tinyurl.com slash TPR Avengers, Dread Pirate Roberts Avengers. So sign up for that. And if you don't get included, uh, don't be angry at us because I don't even think we're part of the application process anymore. I hope we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're not because nothing would get done if we were. <laughs> there you go. Um, Samsung invests 2.9 mil, basically 3 mil into, ledger, into the ledger. This kind of went below the radar. Yeah, what's going on here? Bullish. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge news. Well, hasn't Samsung been working on their, like, their own phone wallets and stuff? Yeah, they have that bullshit Ethereum wallet that has like engine on it and engine pumped like 1,200%, remember? Mm-hmm. Fucking ridiculous. Um, it doesn't support Bitcoin. It's all Samsung about partnerships, wallet. dude. It's all about partnerships. Yeah, they have a wallet built into the S10, their new phone that's coming out, and... Uh, yeah, and they, I think they have, like, Brave integrated and shit. But I, I think, you know, this is a big deal. Samsung is the largest phone manufacturer in the world. Um, they eventually have to support the the number one cryptocurrency in the world. Uh, and, and Ledger is one of the top hardware wallets. So this kind of thing is, like, I think this would... We would absolutely imagine how much we'd be freaking out if two years ago we found out Samsung had invested in Ledger. Like that would have been crazy. It would have been absolutely crazy. I'm so jaded by this point, you know. There's so many of these announcements. It's uh. But Ledger's like the perfect fit because like Ledger was like, kind of like the more statist hardware wallet company. You know, like they believe in like proprietary security chips and stuff like that. That's their. That's the trade-off they're willing to make while Trezor tries to go like fully open source. Cold Card tries to go fully open source. I imagine the new Bluetooth functionalities with Ledger. Uh, yeah, exactly. They do Bluetooth. Appease Samsung as well. And Ledger's experimented in the past with, um, you know, Samsung has like a quasi, they they call it a secure chip, uh, but it's like a, I guess like a quasi secure chip on Samsung phones in the past. And I remember Ledger had an app for a little while that would use, it was only compatible with Samsung phones. This was like three years ago. Or something like that, and it would use that secure element in your in your phone, um, but no one used it. But but yeah, so like they're like it's a, it's a perfect fit, and uh, that's awesome. I'm I'm excited that Ledger got more funding. I'm excited that Samsung's got skin in the game. You couple that with their crypto wallet, and this is just this is a big fucking deal. And uh, meanwhile, Apple's you know releasing a credit card without a number on it. So. <laughs> Hey, I think there's some Apple Pay uh, team members that listen to this podcast. Shout out to you guys. We want to see an Apple uh, Bitcoin wallet. I'm excited, guys. You know, make me proud. <laughs> I I have to say, like, I, two years ago, I thought it was a very real possibility that for, like, the next 10 years, so, like, eight years from now, because this was two years ago, we would never see 
any Bitcoin wallets on the Apple store. Like I for the while iPhone was just banning Bitcoin wallets in general. So the fact that they don't do that anymore, I think is just massive. So we should just be happy about that because that's something that would just be unsolvable. They have a little closed garden there with their app store and they could just be like, fuck you. And they didn't do that. So that's good. Yeah. And going back to Bitfinex too, like the fact that uh, the New York attorney general is letting them like run operations and they want to make sure that their users aren't interrupted or anything like that is like sort of a boat of a boat of uh, approval or a vote of approval. Excuse me. What do you mean? In my mind, like just the fact that they didn't seize it and shut it down and, Maybe they can't, can't, but like Hasu said... You don't think the New York AG would just shut the whole thing down if they could? Well, so Hasu brought up this example going back to Black Friday in the poker world when they shut down, uh, I forget what website it was, and it's like a famous day in the poker world. Poker Stars or whatever, right? Poker Stars wound up buying this company. So what happened was the U.S. government like shut them down. I remember that shit happened. But they wanted to allow their customers to get stuff out. Um... So they, they they made it so that people were able to get their money out, and they were able to withdraw. Yeah, eventually, over time, um, and now online poker is like a big thing. It's becoming more palatable yeah, I mean, here in the states, in particular. Um, and maybe this is just like another thing. Like, hey, well, we don't like what you're doing with Tether. We don't like what you're doing as an exchange, but we don't want you to interrupt your your users who who are uh, acting in good. Th- faith in their in their mind so the user is actually using bitcoin or using it in good faith which is a good sign i would say i well first of all yeah that that whole going after poker uh going after gambling online sport uh, online sports and poker gambling in america was like a a key reason for why i realized bitcoin was going to have value in the first place because you have the way they went after them if i recall correctly was they went after the payment processors they went after visa mastercard banks and shit like that a a more recent comparison i would say would be one broker Mm -hmm. who they took down they got the fbi right fbi they they took down their website domain page right and i and deposits and withdrawals were frozen um, like withdrawals worked for a tiny little bit afterwards, but then they got frozen. Um, what's that hasn't happened with bid for next, but what's also interesting is, you know, like unlike the, your black Friday example and the one broker example, like you could still deposit into bid for next. Like the New York AG doesn't want you to deposit into bid for next right now. Right. So I, I, I would be hesitant to say, that the reason you could deposit and withdraw on Bitfinex is because the New York AG is just so compassionate that they <laughs> just care about the Bitfinex users. Like I, I think to the New York AG, they'll never say it. They pretend they're protecting users, but really they hate all the Bitfinex users just as much as they hate Bitfinex because they want every single one of those users to register with them, know who they are, yada, yada, yada. Fuck you, Ben Lasky. To, to New York AG, privacy is a crime. Yeah. I mean, this is a little tangent here. We're over an hour by now, too. We're at 102. Really? Yeah, but uh, uh, we're the, riffing. We'll make this one an epic. This is going to be an epic pod. Yeah. But, like, the, uh, again, like going down back to the discussion about we're, we're going down a path and we have a decision to make. Do we want the centrally planned panopticon or do we want to fight for these privacies? Like, some woman traveling via JetBlue last week uh, made Twitter aware that she, like thought she was going to need a boarding pass, but they just 
facially recognition like recognized her without even asking her so convenient and that was her ticket and i like like airports scare the shit out of me man they're like and it wasn't even opt-in airports are normalization camps man it's yeah. uh so like this is yeah you have no you have you have zero privacy at an airport the thing is they already had all those pictures they JetBlue actually got the pictures from like u.s customs and or like immigration or someone like that some U.S. agency gave it to them. So they already have all the pictures. Uh, they know you're going to be on the plane. They're already doing facial recognition to you while you're walking through the airport, when you're going through security and all that shit. When you go through customs, they take a bunch of pictures of you now. I went to Hong Kong. The first thing they did was take a picture of me. Um, so, like, I, you know, like, this particular thing, like, it sucks that it's, like, getting normalized. Um, but, like, some people are talking about, like, oh, I'm going to switch airlines. Like, they already have the pictures. They're already doing facial recognition to you that doesn't do anything. Like, just like the only difference is you actually have to pull out your boarding pass. <laughs> like that, That's the only difference. How do we fight back against this? Well, I think, well, first of all, we just, for the face thing, we're just fucked. Because you, we're face fucked? Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, we can do like masks and all this other stuff. You know, like Minority Report, I really like the fake eyeballs, like the black market. Or like black market contacts or something. Uh, contacts. I, w- I don't want to change my eyes. What was Minority Report? Was it a full eyeball transplant, I think? They did a full eyeball transplant. And then he also had like this tool where he could contort, contort his face, but that only worked for like a few hours. Yeah. So like yeah. we'll have like masks and stuff. But I, and hopefully, but maybe we'll have like societies that have like camera free zones and stuff. Try and take it back piece by piece. But I, I think you should just assume assume that your face is being tracked at all times yeah but like wear C- a hat wear sunglasses cctvs everywhere yeah. in this city you can't walk out outside without seeing eight cameras like on on a, a light post yeah and like google facebook apple they're all doing face recognition too so you don't even just have the governments you have all the and and when the data leaks it gets out i mean there was what was it a wired article that was talking about like academics doing facial recognition. I linked it on Twitter in response to one of your tweets. Um, like academics are, are, are taking a lot of photos to do in facial recognition studies. And like those photos find themselves in like all different databases around the world because they've leaked and been shared all over. And like some of them are like college students like walking. Because one of the things is like original facial recognition uh like machine learning training kind of shit was done with like models who were like standing in front and looking, but that doesn't really work in the real world. So what they need is they need real world people that aren't aware that they're being pictures taken of to feed into their algorithm. So they're like taking pictures with like telephoto lenses from uh, like in onto college campuses. But like the kids are like supposedly warned because there's like flyers up that say that it's happening, but the kids are like looking at their phone texting. They don't fucking know that it's happening. And now they're, you know, their faces are part of a database in like a Chinese company. Like that's fucked. It's fucked. I guess we should just submit to this reality and react accordingly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everyone has to care about their privacy and, you know, we'll turn bits and pieces. People will care as they, as as they get fucked, basically, as they get burned by this shit. And it's up to us to take it back. And, and, and we have tools here that, that can prove very useful, but we have, you have to actually care. You, if you don't care about your privacy, like, no one else will. Like, we can't hold your hand. You have to care. The number one rule is care. 
it's care and and beyond that like it's important like you should like the yeah. consequences of not caring and not acting in accordance with that caring are, are dire i would argue like i mean yeah, it's like authoritarian it's very authoritarian and i believe we're easily slipping to a more author- authoritarian world uh so we need we need a call to action of, of more people being proactive, running tour nodes, running Bitcoin full nodes, speaking just in general, speaking up like, hey, don't fucking facially recognize me without my permission and yeah. stuff like that. You know, it's a lazy argument, but, you know, those are the best arguments like Hitler would have loved facial recognition, you know, DNA databases, databases of everyone's DNA, their faces, their fingerprints. Their locations. Like, come on. Yeah. All you freaks out there sharing your locations with your friends on Snapchat. Stop. That's like, that's something. Generate Gen I Z. I installed Snapchat. If there's any, if there's any Gen Z maybe. listening out there, like I see my sister, she's like on the cusp of millennials and Gen Zs. They'd have no, they, we t- they don't care about privacy at all. Some of them do. Some of them are Bitcoiners. I see them in my DMs sometimes. Nice. That's good to know. Hey. You young youths listen to this podcast. Keep caring. Yeah, we have at least one five-year-old who listens to the pod. Fifteen months. Fifteen months. Look at that. Is that Gen Z? I don't even know. I don't know. He probably doesn't understand what we're saying. I'll but. tell you one thing. I doubt he's sharing his location. <laughs> uh, it depends. Does he have a, a Bluetooth-enabled Nookie? I hope not. I don't know. I don't um, think so. Next topic, Gemini integrates Segwit fully. They just deserve a shout out for yeah. both receive and uh, send functionality. Yeah, shout out to Gemini. I'm not not a big fan of your marketing tactics lately, but I will give uh, give props where props are due. This is huge. Crypto doesn't need rules, but Bitcoin needs SegWit. So yeah, there you go. Thanks for helping it out. Um, Casa again, another update. We meant to talk about this last week. They announced it like right before we recorded. Forgot to put it on the list. Uh, they enabled Tor support as well, and they have a huge sort of data privacy initiative going on. They're going to have a blog series on why you should care, basically in in line with the, the topic of conversation that uh, we were talking about 30 seconds ago, why you should care about your privacy, how you can protect your privacy and your data online. Yeah, one of the awesome things about CASA is they don't require KYC for their multi-sig solution. They're trying to be a privacy-first business, um, take as little private information as possible, their privacy policy is very strong, and they're trying to promote this, and that should definitely be uh, applauded. Um, Tor node by default is fucking huge. You know, going back to our other conversation, they don't the Bitcoin node on your casa it doesn't use Tor, and part of it is because of of uh, I guess not IBD because it's pre sync, but because you know it's it's just way harder to keep sync with Tor nodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, this is huge that they that they integrated Tor by default on the Lightning node. Everyone's Lightning node should run through Tor, so you don't leak your IP address um, unless you're unless you're trying to run a bigger node that that does a lot of connections because Tor nodes can connect to ClearNet nodes. So like if you have a Tor node, absolutely connect it to our node, um, and and then we can reciprocate. We can't reciprocate back to you. We can't open a channel to you. Only a Tor node can open a channel to you unless you first open one to us. Um, we need to see you as a peer first, but we can still open one back to you. And I'm I'm debating whether or not. Um, so so this brings Casa in line with Noddle, who also lets you run 
run tour. They don't have it on by default, but it's just a couple clicks. Um, so I'm debating whether or not we pull our node behind tour. Uh, there's, 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 you know, there's pros and cons there from like a routing perspective. Cause like at least all you guys can connect to us through tour to us. Um, and then we can, we can give high performance cause it's on a gigabit line. Um, so, so we'll see, we're playing that by ear. I'm definitely not going to do anything until we get static channel backups, uh, which should come next week on Noddle. The way that they plan on doing it is really cool, I think, is you plug in a USB thumb drive. Uh, you, you first, um, you put your PGP fingerprint on the device, uh, you know, like basically like your public key, and then they encrypt your seed and the channel, the channel backup uh, with your PGB key on your USB drive. And then at any point, if you need to, to force close all those channels and restore your backup, you can just use the thumb drive. So it should be nice, super convenient. And then I'll feel more comfortable playing around with some of the things. Be aware. These things are coming. They're on the horizon. They're coming from every angle, man. It's like this is the best bear market that's ever been. So, so do you think uh, after Bitfinex, do you do you think uh, the price goes lower again, man? We're still above five thousand right now, above fifty one hundred right now. The key price not to break is the thirty four hundred August price for the Mirad bet. Yeah, we need that Nobu. But dinner. like, even if even if that broke, then he was still wrong because he <laughs> he already changed his mind on that. Yeah. Um. I still don't think even I'm like, like you said, it's been the most bullish bear market I think we've ever had. And the fact that we just haven't just elevated down here on this news, I think it could presumably hang over our head for like a long time and just be constant FUD. But uh, I, 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 I think we're like, I, I'd be really, really surprised if we broke December's lows. Yeah. No, it's uh, again. I wrote about a couple macro themes earlier this week. It seems that a couple countries across the globe are in a heavy gold accumulation phase. That's been not necessarily under the radar, but not not talked about too much. Um, we'll see if Bitcoin plays into to that that safe haven asset in the future. Who's secretly stacking sats out there? Well, China. I went back and looked at the data. Some bullion star, which is some gold dealer, posted a chart of Russia's. They just last quarter they raised their total gold reserves again to like twenty one two thousand one hundred sixty eight tons I believe so uh, that like led me to go check the gold charts just I believe it was uh, economictrades.com. they have really good gold charts of accumulation over time it was just tech checking like the top ten countries in China and Russia in particular over the last two decades China has four and a half x their gold holdings. And Russia over the last decade is five x theirs. But the, the question, Marty, is how do you use gold to pay for coffee? Whew. I don't. I think you would need gold notes. Do <laughs> you would need a whole system, a whole bill system built on top of it? What's a gold? A gold note is like an aircraft carrier or something. No, a gold note, like a, a bill oh. that represents gold held in a vault. Oh, so you, yeah. But it's not practical. Like fiat gold. Yeah. Um, no, and, th- and that's sort of the line of questioning that popped in my mind, like, why are they doing that? Are they trying to get on par with the U.S. And if you look at, like, 
U.S., Germany, other major gold holders, their their gold holdings are going down. Uh, not at nearly the pace that China and Russia are buying, but it begs the question, are they hedging against currency risk, local economic risk? Do they just want to get on par with gold reserves with the rest of the world? These are the questions that drive Uncle Marty crazy at night. They want to, like, a, a censorship-resistant store of value. Yeah. Wait, wait till they realize what Bitcoin is. Yeah, we're uh, hour and 15 in. It's a long one. It's been a fun one. We got a Shamersha show. We finally got some merch. We got Sup Freaks hats coming for you. Yeah, we're both wearing our hats. This is uh first foray into, into merch, into design. We're going to try and have this site up. I think hopefully by the time we meet next week, the site will be up. So we're super excited, Freaks. We got a lot coming for you. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's been fun building it. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Very limited supply of merch. So we're going to drop it. Uh, we have 40 hats to sell, and these are first edition, very special, near and dear to our hearts. Um, so it's going to be very limited supply. We're going to drop it. Uh, we'll tease that on Twitter and maybe on next week's show. And um, So make sure you get them while they're hot. Make sure you're paying attention. And you it, can only buy them with Lightning. Lightning or on-chain, too. Oh, we're accepting on-chain. Yeah. It's limited edition, Marty. Yeah, limited edition. No fiat. We're going to be Bitcoin closed loop to start. I was wearing my Run L&D shirt that I, bought, Willow Burn. that I bought from Willow Burn. Not only not only could you only buy with Lightning, you could only buy it if you had an L&D node. Yeah. It authorized, it checked your node. You had to sign with your node. He did that to tease something he was working on. What was he working on with that? I think he was just testing out, basically, signing with your node okay. to provide authorization. Okay. Um yeah so we're oh shit man how the hell have we not talked about this yet i'm so sorry you fucking co-host here launched a product this week i forgot to (laughs) final message you've been working on this since before we met i mean you talked about it when we initially recorded last year you were telling me about it after yeah i wanted to shill it on the first episode that i recorded with you on tftc and then we got drunk and i forgot (laughs) so (laughs) and good thing i didn't shill it because it went through so many iterations since then uh you got a proud co-host over here, smiling from ear to ear. This is a dope product, dope uh, concept. Sort of walk us through what, what you And you tried it out, right? Yeah, you I tried it, it out. for me. Yeah, it works. Um, I mean, so basically I thought of it during the bull market because I was riding my skateboard and I was like, fuck, if I get hit by a car and like lose my memory or die, like 70% of my Bitcoin are gone. Um, because you like have to do a balancing act where... You want it to be easy for your heirs or like your loved ones to to get your Bitcoin if something happens to you, but like you don't want them to be an attack vector. Like you don't want like your mother like putting like a post-it note on next to her computer of of, of your seed phrase or something, or getting tortured for it if we want to like get really morbid. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that came to mind was Dead Man Switch, and I had already been familiar with it. Uh, Snowden really popularized it. He had his own Dead Man Switch. Um, which is basically a message that gets sent out to pre-designated recipients if something happens to you. Um, you know, if, if basically, and the, the way it's set up is like, there's no easy way to tell if someone, if something happens to you. So it runs on the opposite idea where you have to keep basically pressing the snooze button. Otherwise, it'll send out. And if you stop pressing the snooze button, you assume something bad happened, whether or not you were imprisoned. If you were imprisoned, it would go off. Or if, if you get, 
if you get if you die or or if you lose your memory um so then i was looking around for like an easy like privacy preserving solution they didn't exist unless you ran your own server so i was like okay like so we should build we should build this um and then we just did multiple different iterations we were trying to figure out like a nice balance here i decided that you know some things just you know it's just not practical to eliminate all trust so it's like very trust minimized uh it's just a very simple tool the only trust you have in us is that we actually send the message um because for two reasons you should you should make sure that the message isn't uh if it can get compromised if, if it gets imagine it gets compromised it shouldn't affect you you should structure it in such a way the message is encrypted too so you can't read it right but that's just like you know the encryption is like locally on your browser and it's like an internet connected device and who the fuck knows who your adversaries are or whatnot so like that's just an added bonus to make sure that we're not storing any messages in clear text we don't know what your message is we can't get if we get compelled by the government we don't know what your messages are we only take the the only required piece of information is the recipient email addresses you can send multiple email addresses uh and I, I really like, oh, and, and the only way you can, you can just pay us, it's a flat rate. It's right now we're starting at $50 a year paid with Bitcoin only. Um, we have no intention of converting into fiat uh, just for whatever that's worth. And um, it scales down. So if you do a smaller amount of time, you do a week or whatever, you like pay 96 cents. It's equivalent. Uh, and, you know, we might offer discounts and stuff on that price. I just wanted to like offer a sustainable price where no matter what kind of usage I have, like I can just guarantee that I keep this thing up and iterate and improve on it uh, for like 10 years or however long, you know, you might need it. And I'm hoping we can reduce that last bit of trust, which is us actually sending the message. Um, if something happens to you uh, by basically having like redundant, redundant ways of, of that information passing. So you just use final messages like an extra um, you know, like one thing I was, I was thinking is like, like unchained capital, like offers a two of three multi-sig where they keep one key for you. Like you could also put one key in final message and then you have redundancy there. If they can't sign for you, then you could use that key. Um, and then because you can send, to, I think with multi-sig, it's, it just really ups the potential of this kind of, of this kind of tool because, you can put a multi-sig key in there, and even if the encryption fails, multi-sig by design, I can't, or the me or the government can't spend your money with just that one key. And then you could do like really cool things, like if you had like a five of eight multi-sig, and you have like four heirs, and they each have a key, and then you email them all with the final message, you email them all the, the fifth key. Not only do they need that final message to come through, they can't spend your funds until then. They all need to come together and agree combine their keys, add the fifth key, and then they can access the funds. So you could do like really cool things while I'm just keeping it really simple. It's just a text box. It's just, and I, I really like that idea of just a nice, simple tool that people can just add to their toolbox, you know, do whatever they want with it. It's beautiful. And again, man, I'm proud. It's fucking incredible, simple, elegant, and seems like a very good use case. And for somebody who hates ninja launches so much, you ninja launch the shit out of this. We had been like, we like it just like, like refactored the code and shit. And it just been kind of like dragging on for a while. I'd been getting feedback from people 
and like we're about to like scale up TFTC and stuff and I was just like we need to just we need to put this out there we're gonna put it out uh we like kept tweaking little things we still are gonna I I right now we're calling it beta release um you can test it out with a weak switch if you want it's 96 cents everything works um but we want to add more features uh one of the things we don't have right now is you can't cancel the switch you can't cancel the message. And the reason that is, is because I think that's an attack vector. You don't want like someone to cancel your message and then it never goes out. Um, but a lot of people like the cancel option. So what I think we'll, we'll do is we're going to add like a, a two factor optional two factor where you like scan it with an app on your phone, uh, like app based two factor. And if you do that, you can enable it so that you can cancel it. If you have that two factor code and you can, the only way you can add more time is with the two-factor code because right now it operates kind of like Koala uh, Koala Studios does where you get a random account ID, right? And that's how you add time to it. You pay and you add time. Presumably, there's an attack vector here. The only attack vector that, I, that we haven't really eliminated um, is that if someone gets your account ID, they could presumably just keep paying us so the message never goes out, but they can't cancel it. So that... that added feature would make it so that it'd be much harder for them. They need your phone basically to either cancel or, or, um, add time to your, to your message. Yeah. It seems like a great MVP at this point. It's yeah, exactly. Awesome. That's exactly what I wanted. To Congrats, do. dude. Thank you. Again, you've been talking about this since I've known you. It's, I'm happy to see that, that you released it into the wild. It looks a lot better than when I first saw it too. Yeah. We just kept, <laughs> you know, we kept getting nervous and then just changing everything. This is like this time I was just like, now we're launching. Sometimes you just got to let them free. Yeah. I was just like, fuck it. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it went really well and I'm excited and people are testing it out and we're seeing what users say and we're going to keep iterating and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Matt O'Dell, Bitcoiner, podcaster, builder. There you go. That's all we got for this week, Freak. Sorry we ran a little bit longer. Wait, do we really? I thought there was definitely something else there. Uh, oh, Bitmain. This, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, so, all right, we'll keep going. This will be a ripper. Uh, so, our Bitmain source for the last year almost now, I feel like, or getting close to a year, BTC King 555 came out and said... Uh, the now acting CEO of Bitmain uh, is looking to uh, disassociate Bitmain from Bitcoin Cash. So any of you Bitcoin Cash holders out there, just be aware. Bitmain's a, a huge holder of Bitcoin Cash and by extension, Bitcoin SV as well. Um, so if they're looking to disassociate themselves and they're in a bit of a liquidity crisis as a business, they may need to unload some of that balance sheet, which is heavily denominated in those two fork currencies. Well, we, we kind of knew this was, I mean, this is a rumor, but we kind of knew this was coming anyway because they're two founder CEOs, um, Jihan and the other guy that is always under more under the radar. What is it, Macron Zhao or something? Should I just make up that name? I don't know. No, you're very close. Yeah, McCree Zhang. There you go. That was pretty good. I'm going to give myself credit for that. Um, they both had to step down, and they were like the ones who led this whole Bitcoin Cash insurrection. So McCree Zhang's there now, and he wants to dis oh, disassociate. Fuck. So, so I don't else. get credit for it. No, you don't get credit. Okay, but Jihan and his other founder both had to step down. And then this guy takes over. So, of course, you know, they're going to start unwinding that. And, you know, Bitcoin Cash from the beginning, and I think Segwit2x in a lot of ways, was was a Bitmain power move trying to 
centralize the market around themselves and uh and they fucking failed and then this is what they have to deal with yeah they have to put their tail between their legs come back to uh bitcoiners and be like we were wrong and now they're trying to save face well they haven't said we were wrong i think this is an admission of they're wrong they're trying to disassociate this is a rumor though yeah, so this, be, well I want BTC, a letter. I want them to send out a letter. BTC King five 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 has been pretty uh, pr- yes. pretty credible source up to this point. He has been. He's been he has ver- been. <laughs> Hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, everyone said he wasn't, but he he definitely has been. Um, I believe. Oh, we got a couple things to shill here. Already shilled the merch. We're going to be at a couple conferences this summer. Uh, the Bitcoin Conference two thousand nineteen in San Francisco, hosted by Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, if you guys have not bought a ticket to that yet, you can use the code RHR uh, for a discount there. And then we're going to be at the BitBlock Boom conference in Dallas in early August, I believe. And same thing, RHR. I believe you get 30% off the tickets. It's pretty great because we, we get to get hit the two different dichotomies of Bitcoiners, the San Francisco Bitcoiners and, and the, the Texas Texans. Bitcoiners. Yeah. And I think those are going to be two live uh, rabbit hole recaps with guests on stage. That's that's the way to do it, I think. Yeah, and then uh, more live shows, and also for we might have something, we might have something to announce uh, about a live show during uh, Consensus Shitcoin Week. Oh yeah, yeah, we should. I think we should do a live show during there. That would be cool. If I haven't talked to them in like a couple months. We should try and make something happen. I don't know if I want to. No, no, not at Consensus. Oh, during the week. Of consensus, meant, when like, everyone at, is in New York, we I would like to have like a side event where we do a live rabbit hole recap. We can make this happen, I think. Yeah. So if any of you freaks can help make that happen, we're looking for out. venues and for equipment. And consider this a tease. Be on the lookout for information regarding that. Yeah, freaks. Thank you for uh, indulging us as we go a half an hour longer than we usually do. Uh, we really appreciate your time and your viewership, your listenership. Like. We've teased earlier. We got a lot of big things coming, some merch coming, a site coming, a lot of live shows. We love you. If you love us, let us know uh, on Twitter via reviews uh, uh, on iTunes, whatever podcast platform you like. Let us know what, what you're thinking, how you're liking us, Matt. You have anything to end this on? Yeah, reviews really help us. Uh, so leave a review, a good review, and uh, stay humble. Stack sets. Yeah. Peace and love, freaks. <laughs>